0: Here we go. So we launch into this series. Let me just echo what our pastor just encouraged us to do. Sometime in these next few weeks uh, of this series, take some time. Take a field trip. Get outdoors. Take a look at the stars. Take time to look up at the night sky. And and another thought, I was thinking, you could, um, if you have a smartphone, you can download they have these apps now that that you could actually uh that they map out the stars in an app there's one called night sky it's really cool i just downloaded it this week and i even last night i was standing out there with my phone looking at the stars i was like oh that's cool oh wow i found out that so there's the moon there's this little bright star next to it that's actually not a star it's jupiter i learned that last night from looking at this app it was so cool so uh, you could do that why would i ask you to do that well um we're gonna to see today that, that there are many places in Scripture, throughout the Scriptures, that encourage us to look at the heavens. And, and, and we're commanded to consider creation, consider the vastness of the universe as a way to help us understand just how big God is, to help us understand God in a greater way. And so uh, we, we want to make this summer a time that we stop, that we look at the stars, that we're amazed by who God is. Will you do that? You do that sometime, sometime. Take a field trip. Uh, I don't know if you have a favorite place to go to see the stars. I do. I have a place. I like to go up to our hunting shack up north in, in northern Minnesota. It's miles and miles away from, from the nearest town. And, and, uh, and we go up there to, uh, to, to hunt or just to get away sometimes. But I am amazed uh, every time I go up there on a clear night when you look up in the sky. Uh, how many stars you can see when you're out away from, from light pollution, light from the cities and everything. It just blows my mind. You see stars upon stars upon stars. You can usually see uh, see meteorites or shooting stars when you're up there. Uh, if you're patient and you look around, you can usually see satellites that are floating across the sky, circling the earth. They're just, just, just floating. It's like a star floating across the sky. It's so amazing. It just blows my mind every time. It's breathtaking. And I hope that you have a place like that because this is a crazy world we live in, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy. There's, there's craziness going on everywhere. This world is full of distractions and full of difficulties and full of disappointments. And I don't know about you, but I found that if I don't from time to time stop and refocus and recenter myself on who God is, it gets really easy to forget sometimes that we serve a God who is bigger than all of our circumstances. We serve a God who is big, bigger than the craziness of this world, bigger than our struggles, bigger than the things that we, that, that we struggle with, bigger than our failures, bigger than our disappointments. We serve a God who's bigger than our confusion. And if there's anything that I want you to grab hold of today when you leave this place, it's this, no matter what you are experiencing in your life right now, God is bigger than your circumstance. God is bigger. Come on, you could say amen to that. God is bigger than your circumstance, and he cares for you. He cares for us. And throughout scripture, all the way from from Genesis through Revelation, we read the story of a God who is involved, who is at work in the lives of people. He uses the natural, he uses the supernatural to accomplish his will. And there's a great story in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. That's where we're going to look today, where we can see all of this truth coming together. And the prophet Jeremiah, he's in the middle of a... Uh, of a time of judgment, a time of fear, it 's a, it's a really difficult time in Israel, and Jerusalem is about to be destroyed, and the people of Israel are about to be taken away into captivity. And in the middle of all this, he makes a powerful statement in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. And this is what he says in Jeremiah 32:17, he says, "Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power." and your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. And maybe you're here today, this weekend, before the 4th of July, and you're in a situation where you need to hear that today. You need to to recognize, you need to hear that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing in your life is out of his influence or out of his reach God is big enough, or maybe you know that there's something coming down the road in the future. Maybe you need to hear this in this moment to prepare you. There is nothing that we face. There's nothing that comes against us. There is no situation, there is no circumstance that is too difficult for God to work it out. Amen? And just like Jeremiah, we can, we can confidently say that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. But for us to do that, we first need to understand a truth that Jeremiah had come to know. And so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this story to see what was going on in chapter 32 of Jeremiah, to see how the prophet stood up in this time of incredible, incredible adversity. And I believe that we're going to see that even though Jeremiah was in a hopeless situation, somehow he had the wisdom to know that even though things looked bad, that they were not Without hope. Now, if you read in the, the book of Jeremiah, earlier in the chapter, you'll see that Israel is being attacked by the nation of Babylon. God has allowed Babylon to conquer the nation of Israel. And, 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 and the armies of King Nebuchadnezzar had surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And so the city was surrounded. Nothing was getting in. Nothing was getting out. And the city was about to fall into the hands of the Babylonians and would be destroyed. And for Jeremiah, it was even worse than that. Because not only was Jeremiah inside a city that was surrounded by an enemy, Jeremiah had been placed in prison. He was being held captive inside the city by the king of Israel, by the king of Judah. His name was Zedekiah. King Zedekiah didn't like the way Jeremiah kept prophesying judgment and destruction over God's people. So he threw him in jail. How many of you know that sometimes when you speak the truth, it can get you in trouble, right? Right? <laughs> Some people aren't interested in hearing the truth. They just want to hear what makes them feel good. But Jeremiah continued to speak out truth. He continued to call out the people for their sins, for their forsaking of God. And the king was like, enough already. I'm tired of hearing your doom and gloom. Why don't you just be quiet? Just I'm going to put you away in jail. Just go away. I'm tired of hearing it. But it didn't work. Because God continued to speak through Jeremiah. And in that prison, in that that courtyard, that prison that Jeremiah was in, the Lord came to Jeremiah and spoke to him. And this is what he told him. He said, this might sound strange. He said, your uncle's coming to visit you. And he's going to offer to sell you a field. And I want you to buy it. Strange, right? (laughs) How many of you, when you ask for a word from the Lord, you expect something like that? Go buy a field. (laughs) But sure enough. It happened just like God had said, and Jeremiah's uncle came to him and said, I have this field, and, and you're the one that should buy it. And Jeremiah said, okay. So he paid him the money, and he signed the deed, and he, and he recorded the purchase just like the Lord said he should. Now stop and think about this for a moment. Jeremiah's being held captive inside a prison that's inside of a city that's surrounded and about to fall into the hands of an enemy who is determined to conquer the city, to destroy it, and to burn it to the ground. And so in all reality, Jeremiah is making a purchase that he's never going to be able to make good on. He's purchasing a field he's never going to possess. He's never going to develop. There's no chance that he's ever going to realize the the promise and the potential of this purchase that he's made. It's impossible. And it's in this context that Jeremiah has this conversation with God. He says, okay, God, you you made the heavens and the earth by your great power, so I know that that nothing is too difficult for you. Okay, but you see the situation here, right, Lord? Why would you tell me to buy this field? It, It doesn't make sense. In Jeremiah 32 here, verse 27, the word of the Lord then came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Therefore, this is what the Lord says I am about to give this city into the hands of the Babylonians and to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who will capture it. The Babylonians who are attacking this city will come in and set it on fire. They will burn it down along with the houses where the people arouse my anger by burning incense on the roofs to Baal, who was an idol, and by pouring out drink offerings to other gods. So God says, Yeah, it's going to happen. But then in verse 42, the Lord continues and says this. This is what the Lord says. As I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will give them all the prosperity I have promised them. Once more, fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is a desolate waste without people or animals. For it has been given into the hands of the Babylonians. Fields will be bought for silver And deeds will be signed, sealed, and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah, and in the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills, and of the Negev. Because I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. You see what's happening here? God is saying, yes, it's going to be really bad. But listen, that's not the end of the story. And I love in this story how we see that disaster and judgment is never the end with God. It's never the end. Tragedy and suffering will never negate the promises of God. In the midst of brokenness, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of bad things happening, God is still holding on to his promise to his people. And even though he's bringing judgment for their sins, listen, because of his love, because of his mercy, God already has a plan that he is working to bring restoration. He's already planning their return even before the judgment has even happened. And I hope that that encourages you today because you and I, we can be confident that that even in the middle of bad things happening all around us, you and I can stand firm knowing that God has a plan. You and I can stand firm knowing that God is at work and that God already knows the end. God is already working on the comeback. He's already putting things in motion to restore. And we always have hope no matter what's going on around us. Amen? Amen. That should put a smile on our face. That should put hope in our hearts today. Now there's three things that I really that stuck out to me when, when Jeremiah made this statement that I want us to grab onto today. And the first one is this. Jeremiah recognized that God is Sovereign. He recognized that God is sovereign. He addresses God as the sovereign Lord. Why is that important for you and I? Because God is God. Because because God answers to no one. Because he is the ultimate. Because God is the greatest. No matter what Muhammad Ali said, he is the greatest. God is the greatest. God answers to no one. And I know that sometimes you and I, we have questions we wonder why things happen, we, things we don't understand, but ultimately we need to recognize that God is God, that his ways are always higher than our ways, that his understanding is so far beyond our understanding that we must accept that there will be things in life that we don't get. There'll be things in life that we will never understand. There are answers To questions that we will never receive, no matter how much we want them. And we must reconcile that in our thinking. We must reconcile that in our hearts. God is sovereign. I love what David said in Psalm 115, verse 3. He said, But our God is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases. He does. And I know sometimes we don't like that. But listen, that's not a a fearful thing if we also understand that the scriptures teach us that God is good, that God is working on the behalf of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, like Paul says in Romans, ultimately, church, I choose to put my faith in God because God is in control, and I'm not. God is in control, not me, not you. And I believe that surrendering to his will is the best thing I can do with my life. And so Jeremiah recognizes that God is sovereign. Second thing that Jeremiah, his declaration shows us is and something that you and I need to really grab a hold of today. Is his recognition that it's the Lord that made the heavens and the earth by his great power. God made the heavens and the earth. Why is this important? Because church, this is an incredible statement of Perspective. Come on, say perspective. Perspective Perspective is the way that that we choose to view something. It's the the vantage point where we process the things that are going on around us and to us. It's how we define the scope and the the magnitude of something. And, And Jeremiah was looking at his problems with the perspective that God is bigger, that God is greater. And that if God is big enough to create the heavens and the earth, that God is big enough to handle the problems that he had. Now, here's an interesting thing for you and I to consider this morning. See, Jeremiah used this illustration of the heavens, but his knowledge and his understanding of the universe was so much less than what we have today, isn't it? I mean, his, his knowledge of what was, no, was, was what was known by the human eye. That was all they had. They didn't have telescopes. They didn't have satellites. There was no Hubble telescope taking pictures of outer space for him to take advantage of. They had a limited view, and yet even that limited view of the heavens inspired him. You know, at the time, uh, the belief was still that the sun revolved around the earth, <laughs> and they actually believed too that that the stars that they were kind of the stars were like in a canopy. Over the earth, like maybe a mile or two above the surface of the earth, all of the stars were in like this canopy. That's what they believed at the time. It's kind of like, I don't know, if you were a kid, maybe you used to put little stickers on the ceiling of your bedroom. Anybody ever, anybody ever do that? You know, you put stickers on the little glow-in-the-dark stickers on the ceiling. I don't know, I think it, we hoped it would mesmerize our kids into falling asleep faster or something. But that's what it was like. It was like they thought, okay, there's glow-in-the-dark stickers up on this canopy. That was the, the belief at the time. See, Jeremiah never realized that when he looked up into that night sky, what he was seeing were were planets and stars and galaxies upon galaxies like we know today. But what Jeremiah did know was that everything that he could see, everything, was created by God, that it was God who set it in motion. And if I could briefly touch on this this morning, sometimes people have questions about creation, and did God create the world or, or was it evolution like it's taught in so many places? And here's what I can tell you I believe. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the account of Genesis, God gives us all the details we need to know. But that doesn't mean that he gave us every detail. But God gave us what we need to know, and I believe that there are several theories of creation out there that are what I would call God-honoring theories. God-honoring, that God is in it, that God was involved, that God initiated. And of those theories, we can flow with, with any of those theories that say God did it. I can tell you as a church, we're not going to lose sleep over young earth or old earth or a day equals an era or a day equals 24 hours. We're not going to lose too much sleep over intelligent design or some form of evolution. My thoughts are that there are elements of every single one of those that make sense and there are elements of each of those that cause problems. And ultimately, it takes faith to believe any one of them. Was anybody there? (laughs) I wasn't. It takes faith to believe any one of them. We can flow with anything that says God did it. But what we can't flow with is any theory that says it came from nothing and no one without God. You cannot take God out of the equation. The Bible teaches that God spoke into nothing and he made something. Think about that. God spoke into nothing and he made something. And listen, if God could make something out of that nothing, what can God do with the something of our lives that we give to him? Amen? But this statement that Jeremiah makes, it would have been an incredibly powerful statement then. But how much more incredible is it now with all of the knowledge that we have of our universe? Are you ready for a little astronomy lesson this morning? (laughs) Go on, are you ready? Because I've learned some really cool stuff studying for this sermon today. So I want to share some with you, all right? We got some pictures we're going to show uh, on the screen and, and, and to help us understand just how amazing our God is. The first one is a picture of the earth and our closest neighbor in the, the universe, our, our very own moon. Isn't that, isn't that a great picture? It's the earth and our moon. And, and how many of you think the earth is pretty big? You ever, I flew to Cambodia. That was halfway. Whew. It's a big world. <laughs> you know, the, if you remember, this next picture is the sun coming up over the earth. And remember, at one time the belief was that the sun revolved around the earth. But now we know, of course, that the earth revolves around the sun. And that, in fact, the sun is, is much, much larger than this little planet. In fact, if you compared the earth and the sun, like in this next picture. See that little tiny dot down there? That's the size here. I can get out of the way. That's the size of the Earth compared to this incredibly massive, large of burning gases called the Sun. It's incredible, isn't it? Okay, but if you think that's cool, this next one really blows my mind because this next one we have this chart, and uh, in this chart, the first and second boxes compare the sizes just of the planets in our little subdivision of this galaxy called the Milky Way. These are all, all the planets, and you see the earth, you, you can't really see it the greatest, but the earth is, in box two, the first one, compared to Jupiter, man, that makes the earth look pretty small, doesn't it? This third box, you can see it has our sun in there, and our sun seems big until you compare it next to the star named Sirius, which we all know is where radio comes from, right? Right? But then in the next box, Sirius is pretty small compared to to Pollux and Arcturus and Aldebaran, which in box five seems pretty tiny compared to Rigel and Antares. And my favorite name of any star in the universe, (laughs) Betelgeuse. Isn't that great? What a great name. You know, one time Betelgeuse was thought to be the largest star in the universe, but now... Even Betelgeuse seems small when we, when we place it next to Musefi and Cephe A and Canis Majoris, which is the biggest one on the bottom square there. Canis Majoris, you know what that means, right? Big dog. <laughs> Big dog star. <laughs> but Let's go back to, to, to Betelgeuse, my favorite one. Because if you were to put Betelgeuse in the middle of our solar system, Betelgeuse would be the size of the entire orbit of Jupiter around our sun. That's how big that star is. When I looked last night and I saw the moon and Jupiter next to it, and I thought to myself, Betelgeuse would have been all the way out there. I was like, wow. Now, I was talking about our solar system. Our solar system is only one in our galaxy called the Milky Way, right? We know that. Our galaxy is the Milky Way. This is what the Milky Way looks like. We're not even in the center of our own galaxy. We're kind of out in the suburbs. How many of you don't mind being out of the Milky Way metro, right? You don't mind that at all. But we're just out there in the outer rings of our galaxy. And our, our galaxy, we know even now that our galaxy is one of tens of thousands of galaxies in the universe. Okay, is your mind blown yet? Obviously, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the, the enormity of our universe. But I show you these things today to illustrate something that, that sometimes see, things seem really big in our lives until we compare them with something bigger. And then we compare them with something bigger, they're like, okay, they're big, but they're really not that big because that is, is, is huge. And all of these celestial bodies, they seem huge, and they are. But we keep discovering stars that are larger and larger. We actually, in 2012, discovered a star named Scuddy that makes the big dog star look small. (laughs) That's how vast the universe is. But can I give you a statement of perspective here? Listen to what Psalm 33 says. It says in verse six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Listen, all the vastness of the universe began with God exhaling the starry hosts created by the breath of his mouth. Our God is so big that he took a breath and he breathed out Aldebaran and Beetlejuice and Big Dog. <laughs> Come on, God is big. God is, is awesome. It's, he's indescribable, amen? But listen, along with recognizing how big God is, we can never lose sight of the truth That this big, creative, indescribable God knows you by name. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your story. Listen to Psalm chapter 8 verse 3. It says, when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers. Just the work of his fingers. The moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind? That you are mindful of them. Human beings that you care for them. Listen, our God is not too big to know you and to love you. He created you. He created you for a purpose. He has an eternal destiny in mind to share with you. Our God, God that is is greater than the universe, is also closer than your skin. He's surrounding us with love, with compassion, with grace, with strength to help Listen, today in your struggles or your circumstances, they may not change. They may not change. You may walk out of here still dealing with the same thing you walked in with, but you can walk out of here different because you have a new perspective. You can know that you serve a God who is exponentially bigger than all of our problems and our struggles. And he is in control. And in the end, you and I, we have his promises to rest on. We have his promise that he loves us. That he will never leave us. That he will never ever forsake us. We have his promise that our afflictions, what the Bible says is our light and temporary trials. They're working for us a greater glory. And that when all is said and done, that we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. God is big. And our perspective needs to be, Lord... You know what I'm going through, and you know how hard it is. But, Lord, I believe that you're big enough. I believe that you're at work. Even when I don't understand, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens. You have made the earth by your great power. (laughs) Nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult for him. Would you stand with me then? Prayer teams, you can come. You can come forward. I want to, uh, I want to close with, with just this last thought from the Psalms. Because in Psalm 70, verse 4, it says, Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, and that those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. In Psalm 34, 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I have, I have a magnifying glass here. Anybody else get your present from an arts? My first birthday card every year I get comes from an arts. There's always a gift in it. One year it was a magnifying glass. What's the purpose of this little tool? What is it? It's to help us to see things larger, right? It's to change our perspective. If there's something that we're trying to see that's too small, we can hold this magnifying glass up to it. Oh, it makes it bigger. Oh, that helps. I can see it now. As I'm getting older, I'm finding this more useful. My prayer for you today Is that in the middle of whatever you're going through. In the middle of whatever life has thrown in front of you. That you would allow the Lord to be magnified in your eyes. That whatever it takes, you would see God as bigger. That you would see God as greater. That that it would give you hope. It would give you strength. It would give you the assurance that whatever it is you're walking through, that God has more. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't think that God doesn't care. Because God does care. And I don't know what God is doing. Long ago, I I quit trying to explain everything that God does. Because you know something? God is he's a little bigger than me. He's a little smarter than I am. Matter of fact, he's a lot smarter than I am. And I don't understand why things happen. And I don't understand how things happen. But I believe that God is in control. And my prayer for you is that God would be magnified in your eyes. In your situation. That you would trust him. That you would see him as bigger, as greater, as as more magnificent, more trustworthy, bigger than any trial, bigger than any pain, bigger than your struggles or your disappointments. May the Lord be magnified in our eyes today. Amen? Lord, we close our eyes today to the things that seem bigger than you. and Lord, I pray in this moment for those who are struggling, that those who are, for those who are walking through difficulties and trials. God, I also pray for those where things are going fine because when things are going great, it's easy for us to lose sight of you. We think we're okay. We think that we don't need anything. But God, no matter where we're at today, I pray, God, that you would be magnified, that you would be expanded, that our vision of you would grow to see that you are bigger and greater than anything we walk through in this life. Lord, I pray that as your word says, you would drop eternity in our hearts today, that we would recognize that you have a purpose and a plan in everything. And that, Lord, even when we're walking through judgment or we're walking through trials or we're walking through disappointments or difficulties, that you're in control. And that, Lord, we would hold on to you. But even more so, God, we would recognize that you are holding on to us. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, our prayer teams are here. I can tell you this, our teams would love nothing more today than before you leave. If you have something that you need to trust God for, if you have something going on that you want to bring to the Lord, if you have something going on that you don't want to bring to the Lord, but you know you need to bring to the Lord, I encourage you to do it. Come and pray with one of our prayer teams before you leave. And today, if you have never never surrendered your life and invited Jesus into your heart, if you've never taken that step of inviting the great big God that knows your name into your heart, come pray with one of our prayer teams today. They would love to lead you in a prayer. We love you. We love you. Don't forget this week, go look at the stars. Just think, you might be looking at Beetlejuice or Big Dog who's really small compared to our great God. Amen. Amen. We love you. Have an incredible week serving the Lord. God bless.